Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading comes from the book, the letter, I suppose, of Colossians, Chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and it reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God the Father, our Lo- God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. This you learn from Ephrus, our beloved fellow servant, He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. I'm Adam Seat. I'm the lead pastor here at Orange United Methodist Church, and I am so thankful that you have chosen to spend this time with us this morning. I know that it's Sunday morning, you're likely at home, maybe you got your cup of coffee, and you're probably tempted to look at other things around the room. Maybe you've got a wild dog like mine, although you wouldn't know how crazy he is from the video. But if you are with us today, let me just say a word of thanks. Greet one another in the chat room if you're watching that. Share it with your friends because there's so much noise and chaos around us in the world today. And so taking these moments that we might be fully present with one another and with God, ah, what a special gift that is. And so we truly are grateful for each and every one of you that are watching this, participating in this with us. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for this time that we're able to share together. We thank you because in the midst of the busyness of this world, you ordered life in such a way that once a week, everything might just pause. And in that pause, we might rest, be recreated, be cleansed, and to be renewed. And so today, God, renew us. 
Renew us from the time that we share together. And may we renew our commitment to you. Lord, we give thanks for your word as it has been read and now as it is to be proclaimed. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. In the early church, when someone became a believer in Jesus Christ, there was a process that they went through. There was a time of preparation. There was a vigil that took place. There was much study to learn and understand fully what it meant to become a follower of the way. And so in preparation for that, in that vigil, they would have to renounce evil and sin of every kind. Because they understood that they were becoming a new creation. They had to be a part of that, vowing their obedience to Jesus Christ in every part of their lives. And they would have to respond to that which they had learned with those historic questions. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? These responses ultimately became known as the Apostles' Creed that you and I still can profess today. And then, after having responded appropriately to all of those questions, they were then baptized in the waters. And out of the water, they became a new creation. That, those practices have been handed down from generation to generation to us, even still today. We practice them in very similar ways. Each time that someone is baptized or joins the church, there still involves a renunciation of sin and evil and injustice in every form that is presented. There is still that profession of faith that takes place in the form of those questions. Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? There is a thanksgiving over the waters. And there is baptism, just as it has always been been done. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, over the years, as we have... Revise things and become separated out into different denominations. When someone joins into the United Methodist Church, there is then another question that is asked. That question is, as members of Christ Universal Church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to support its ministries? If so, would you say, I will. And the appropriate response thus is, I will. But then, when you join the local congregation, there's one more question that is asked. When you join that local church, whether it's here at Orange or if you're a part of another local congregation, you are then asked, as members of this congregation, will you faithfully support, participate in the ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. Yeah, these five vows 
are a part of what it means for us to be a part of the local congregation. And if you have joined the church at some point in time, you probably sat in through a new member workshop, or maybe you even met one-on-one with the pastor or the pastoral team. And at some point in time, those five vows were gone over and explained a little bit more in detail about what it means to support the church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And you know what? Each time that somebody joins the church, we have the opportunity to be able to renew that commitment, renew those vows. In fact, I'm going to put it up on the screen. Each time that somebody joins the church, we have the opportunity to respond. And we say, we give thanks for all that God has already given you. And we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We say those words every time that someone joins the church. We're renewing that we're going to support the church and the ministries through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. But sometimes we say things and we don't really pay attention to what we're saying. We say things and we may not really mean everything that we say. Think about the Lord's Prayer, for example. That may be a prayer that you pray every single day. But sometimes when I pause between each line and think about what it is that I just prayed, I begin to think, is that really what I'm praying today? Give us this day our daily bread. Well, that sort of reminds me of the people in the wilderness, the people of Israel in the Exodus, who were having to pray each day that the manna would be present. But when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, so many times my thought is also, well, give it to me this day, and I'll go ahead and take tomorrow and the day after that and so forth. But we're really just praying for that one day at a time. We pray it, but we don't always think about it. And I remember that one time that I was praying the Lord's Prayer, and it just struck me that I had just asked God to forgive me at the same level that I'm willing to forgive someone else. I was convicted. We pray things, we say things, but we don't always really mean the things that we say and we pray. And so we're trying to take the next several weeks and to look at these five very important vows that we make to the church, which is really that we make to each other. And as we know, each other as the church is the body of Christ. And so these five vows that we're making, these are very serious vows that we're making to God and the way that God is manifest here on earth through the body of Christ. And so we are looking at each one of those vows because we believe that if each one of these vows are faithfully kept, if we faithfully fulfill each one of them, We truly will see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today, we are focusing on that first 
part of the vows that we make, that we will support the church with our prayers. Prayer, prayer changes things. Prayer changes relationships. Prayer changes people. Prayer offers clarity. Prayer turns hate to love, shame to acceptance. Prayer seriously changes things. Just this week, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with a friend and a member here at Orange, Jenny Kendall. Jenny is uh, the head of a laity-driven ministry here at Orange called Stephen Ministry. Stephen Ministry is a ministry that truly does live up to Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, which reads, Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you shall fulfill the law of Christ. Stephen ministers are trained laity, and they are trained to provide high-quality, one-to-one, Christ-centered care to people in crisis, people in the congregation and in the community facing difficulties. They are a Christian friend who comes alongside someone in a time of need. So men seeking a companion in Christ receive a male Stephen minister and women receive a female Stephen minister who listens to what's going on and they use scripture and prayer as a part of offering help in that time of need. And so here's just a little bit of that conversation that I had with Jenny this week. I'm so grateful for Jenny and that willingness that she had for us to share in that conversation. There was so much more, and hopefully we can share the rest of that conversation at another time. But in that, I was reminded of how important it is that we pray for and with one another. It helps us, as Jenny said, feel connected to God. And when we feel that connection with one another, we know that God is being glorified through those prayers. And so I'm thankful for the team of Stephen ministers that we have at this church and the ways that they truly are supporting the church through their prayers. I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture that Savannah read this morning. In this passage of Colossians, we're reminded that the context that it was written from, Paul finds himself in prison. Paul is imprisoned there in Rome and does not know when or if he may even get out. After much dilemma, Paul began to figure out what he could do in his circumstances. Well, we know, yes, he wrote a letter that was sent to a place that he had not ever even yet visited. But he knew that the church that had begun by Epaphras, and he knew that the church was already there and there was difficulties that they were enduring, And so not only did he write a letter offering them words of encouragement, he prayed. We see that prayer lived out in the way that he writes. Hear once again these words in verse 9 of chapter 1. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You hear that? His prayer is that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He continues, so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. 
Understand that the prayer is that they would develop this understanding of wisdom and understanding and knowledge of God so that that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of God would be transforming the way that they live their life and the way that the church was being lived out. He continues in verse 11. May you be made strong with the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to God the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. I love that verse. For in that verse, it is being reminded us uh, that he is praying that they would be made strong with the strength that comes from his glorious power, praying that the Spirit of God would dwell within them such, such, in such a way that they are able to endure all things through the strength that is not their own, but their strength that comes from God. This is his prayer. And he's praying for the church. You know, a lot of times when we think of prayer, we, we think of prayer in the way that we're going to lift up one another. I will pray for you in your times of difficulty. That is absolutely, prayers of intercession are absolutely a critical part of our journey in life together. I hear us call out that we will pray for our nation. And absolutely, in these times especially, we have got to be in prayer for our nation. But so many times, we neglect to pray for the body of Christ that is the agency that God is using to transform the world around us. I believe, like Paul, lifting up the church in Colossae, we need to be praying for all of God's churches. But as we have taken this vow to Orange United Methodist Church, or whatever church you may be a member of, intently every day, I believe that we need to be praying for our church. We need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for our laity. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for our sick and our homebound. We need to be praying for our children and our youth. We have got to be intentional in the ways that we are praying for our church and those within it. For as Paul is able to pray for a church that he's never even met, we can pray for a church that we know. We may not be gathered, but Paul was stuck in a prison cell in Rome. And yet praying for those so far away, wherever we are. I believe that we need to be intentional in the way that we pray. In the way that we pray for the church. Because prayer changes things. One of the favorite tools that I have when I have an opportunity to be involved in counseling with a couple. Who may be enduring a difficult time in their relationship. I ask them, how's your prayer life? Well, many times they say, well, we pray like we should, but I also know that a lot of times when we go for a physical at the doctor's office, the doctor may ask us questions that we're not 100% truthful. Do you eat plenty of vegetables? Oh, yeah, all the time. It just may be fried. Sometimes we don't answer things as truthful as possible. And so sometimes when I'm meeting with a couple that's going through a difficult time, I will push them a little bit about their prayer life. And I'll ask them to pray for one another. Well, sometimes as we begin to practice those prayers, they may pray for the, their spouse in the way that they're hoping to change them and change their ways. 
Lord, help him remember to pick up his dirty socks off the floor. Lord, help her to remember not to put too much pepper in that dish that I don't like. Sometimes we try to pray in such a way. But I invite people to pray for their spouse, for their loved one, in a way that gives thanks to God for them. In a way that intimately prays over their needs, their hurts, and their struggles. I invite them to pray a prayer of blessing over their spouse. And the beautiful thing is, the more they pray for one another, the more they're able to see clearly how God is at work within them. And a marriage, a relationship, we're able to see how prayer changes that. I want to invite you, pray for the church, the bride of Christ. Pray for one another. Let us lift up those prayers as Paul is lifting up prayers for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Praying for the spiritual strength to come from God. Praying for the leadership of the church. And I want to challenge you. I want to invite you. As we are in this new season, we're calling it a time of renewal. I want to invite you to begin to think of the ways that you may support the church with your prayers. On Sunday, November the 8th, we're having a covenant renewal worship service. Whether we are live, however we gather in that time, you will be invited to have a bowl of water there in front of you. And at one point in the service, we will give thanks over that water. And then we will be able to have the opportunity to be reminded and to renew the covenant that was made at our baptism. And when we renew that covenant, we'll once again be able to confess. We once again will be able to take that vow that we will support the church with our prayers. I want to invite you to begin thinking now about how you might be willing to commit to pray for the church. Maybe it's that you're going to take every single day of the week, and when you get out of bed in the morning, maybe you'll pray for a different part of the church. Maybe one day you'll say that you're going to pray for the pastors, and goodness knows your pastors need prayer. Maybe it's one day you're going to pray for the staff. One day you're going to pray for the lay leaders, the church council, the lay leader. Maybe one day you're going to commit to pray for the children and for the youth. Maybe one day you're going to pray for the elderly, the sick, or the homebound. Maybe one day you're going to just pray for the entire body of Christ and the ways that we might be able to communicate hope to the world. You've got a few weeks. Begin thinking now about how you might renew that commitment. Following Paul's example, that we would pray. Pray for the body of Christ. Pray for his church. Let us pray. God, in your grace and in your mercy, we have received a new opportunity to be made new once again. And Lord, I thank you for those ways that we can renew that covenant that we make with you. Of the ways that we're going to live out what it means to be a part of the body of Christ together. So, Lord, help us to find that clarity to pray for one another. Pray for this body of Christ that has been a transformational agent in the lives of so many and within our community and so far beyond. 
So, Lord, pour out your spirit upon those who are praying right now in this moment. May they be renewed. And may they renew their commitment in ways that they will be in communication with you. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.